Well, church, once again, I come to you from an empty sanctuary. And I told you last week, one of the things I love about coming to a place like this is just worshiping the living God. But there are other reasons we come and as we meet together as a church. And the Bible talks about them once specifically. One of the ways the Bible describes our enemy is it describes him like a roaring lion. And if you know anything about lions, when a lion is ready to attack its prey, it never attacks a herd or a group of animals. What a lion will do is it will always isolate. It'll always get an animal off by himself, and then that's the animal it attacks. And the same is true in our spiritual life. The Bible tells us that Satan tries to isolate us. He tries to keep us away from the group. He tries to keep us away from the church. And the reason he does that is because he knows when you're in isolation, your faith is going to be weakened. So one of the reasons we come together as a church is we come together as a church to build up one another's faith. And here's how it works. Maybe one day you come to church and for whatever reason you're weak, your faith is weak that day. Maybe it's not as strong as it usually is. Maybe because of sickness or suffering or some other thing. But maybe that day my faith is strong. So I can speak truth into your life and I can help build your faith and strengthen it so that you can make it through. The next day the opposite might be true. My faith might be weak, but your faith is strong. And then in turn, you build my faith. That's why in James 5, the Bible says when we are sick, we are to call the church together to pray for us in faith. And the reason we do that is because when we are sick and when we're suffering, our faith is just naturally weak. So the church comes around us and surrounds us and prays for us in ways we can't pray. Prays for us in faith. And that is one of the primary responsibilities of the church as we serve one another is to build one another's faith. And right now, as I talk to different people in our church and as I go around our community, one thing I see is I see that a lot of people's faith have been weakened. There's a lot of people that are having the actual opposite emotion than faith. They're struggling with doubt. They're struggling with fear, anxiety. They're worrying about things like their finances, if they're going to have a job. Some are watching their retirement melt away like the snow. Many of you are worried about getting sick. Maybe you're even worried about death. And here's what happens when we worry. That word worry comes from an old English word called weirgan. And that word weirgan literally means to be seized by the throat and what worry does to us is when it seizes us by the throat, it chokes the very life out of us. And so maybe today that's how you feel. You feel like the very life is being choked out of you. And so today I hope that you will listen so that your faith can be strengthened. And today as you listen to this, I don't want you to listen to me because honestly what I have to say doesn't matter. But what God has to say does matter, and it matters tremendously. So today, listen to the voice of God. The longer I pastor, the one thing I realize is that every person living on this earth is truly longing for one thing in their heart. And that one thing they're longing for, that one thing they're searching for is just peace. We all search for peace. 
That's why we'll go to the mountains and stand in its tranquility. That's why we'll sit on a beach and listen to the calming waters of an ocean. But today, there's not a lot of peace surrounding us. And so today, I want you to understand how you can have peace. Because biblically, there's actually two different types of peace. And you can't have one without the other. The first type of peace the Bible describes is what I'm going to call peace with God. See, before Jesus Christ, no one could have peace with God. In fact, the Bible says that we're at war with God. And Colossians 1 says that we're actually enemies of God. But through Christ Jesus, the Bible says we can be made right with God. That's why Romans 5 says that we will put our faith in Him, that we can have peace with God through what Jesus Christ has done for us. So many of you have done that, and you have been made right with God. Your relationship with God has been restored. You have peace with God. And when you have peace with God, then you can have the peace of God. The peace of God is just an internal peace. It's a calm in the midst of the storm. It's a, just an easiness about you. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in the world around you, you understand that God is in control and that God is going to take care of you and you have nothing to fear and nothing to worry about. The problem for even us as Christians is many times we let worry and doubt and fear seize us by the throat. And not only does it choke the life out of us, it chokes the presence of God out of us. And when the presence of God is choked out of us, then no longer do we have the peace of God because we struggle just like everyone else. I can remember many years ago, I went on a mission trip to the Amazon jungle. And this particular trip, we went way deep into the Amazon River Basin and we stayed in a jungle lodge right there on the edge, the banks of the Amazon River. It was like being in the scene of a movie. We stayed in basically tree houses that were up in the canopy of this jungle and they had little stilts that held them up way above the river because they didn't want to be flooded. And so it was the most amazing place I've ever stayed in my life. And so each person had their own little tree house, but in the very middle, there was this big common area where we would come together and we would eat and do different things. The second night we were there, right before we were to go to bed, we were in that common area. And I looked up into the rafters of that jungle lodge. And what I saw in the rafters of that jungle lodge is something I've never seen before. It was a tarantula. And the tarantula that was hanging in those rafters was about twice the size of my hand. And that tarantula literally had more hair on its head than I have on mine. And I'll never forget that image because what happened next is right after I saw that tarantula, we had to go to our rooms and we had to go to bed. And that jungle lodge at nine o'clock every night, they turned off the generator because they were trying to conserve gas. And so when they turned off the generator, you had to be in your room because it was completely dark, pitch darkness. You couldn't see hardly your hand in front of your face. And so at nine o'clock, they shut off the generator. I was laying in my bed. And as soon as the lights went out, the only thing that I could think about was that tarantula and the rafters of that common area, just two rooms down from me. And all night, I worried about that tarantula coming to my room and crawling in bed with me and taking a nap. That's all I could think about. And so there I am on a mission trip 
for an entire week telling people how they can have freedom in Jesus Christ. But yet I had no freedom at all. Why? Because I was worried about a tarantula. And that's what life does to us. It causes us to worry. It causes us to doubt. So what is the cure? Well, the Bible says this is the cure. When I was younger, I was going through a very difficult time in my life. And God led me to a text of Scripture in Isaiah 43. I memorize those Scriptures, and I come back to them often. In fact, I read them just a week ago. And this is what God says in verse 1. He says, But now, O Jacob, listen. The one who created you says, O Israel, the one who formed you says, Don't be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. In verse 4, he says this. He says, Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Verse 5 says, Don't be afraid for I am with you. You see, the reason we don't have to worry, the reason we don't have to be afraid, the reason we can have peace in the midst of this world that is in chaos it's because God is with us. He promises that in Scripture over and over again. He promises to be there. That's why Jesus says this in John 16, He says, I tell you these things that you may have peace. Then He says this. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Jesus is always there. The most perfect illustration of this is in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3. And it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three Hebrew boys who are living in a foreign land, in the land of Babylon, are brought before the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And he tells these three Hebrew boys to bow down and worship a gold statue, but they refuse. And this is what they say. They say, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to answer before you. Because the God whom we serve is able to save us. But then they say this, But even if He doesn't, be assured of this, that we will never bow down to your gods or worship any idol that you have set up. So Nebuchadnezzar did exactly what he told them would do. He threw them into a fiery furnace. And when he throws them into the fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar gets up off his throne to watch those three Hebrew boys burn. But as they are in the furnace... Nebuchadnezzar looks in, and he doesn't see three, he sees four. And this is what he says. He asks his advisors, he says, Didn't we throw three into the fire? I see four, and one looks like the son of the gods. Well, it wasn't the son of the gods, it was the son of God. Jesus Christ, the presence of God, was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar calls out to them and says, Come out of the fire. And when those three Hebrew boys come out of the fire, the Bible says not a hair on their head is singed and they don't even smell of smoke. Why? 
because God was with them. He promises over and over and over again to be with us. He says two different times, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In Psalm 23, verse 4, it's why we can say this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God is with you. It's His promise. But a promise even greater than that in Scripture is not only is God there, but He says there in Isaiah 43 that He loves us. He says He loves us. He says, don't be afraid. I am with you. Right before that, He says, you are precious to me. You are honored. I love you. How can you know that God loves you? Well, he says it, but he also proved it. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us. that even though we were sinners, he sent Christ Jesus to die for us. God proved his love. And I believe with all my heart, if Jesus Christ could stand in my place right now, and if he could say anything to you, he would say this. He would say the words out of Isaiah 43. He would say, I gave my life for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've been made right with God and you have peace with God, that is why you can have the peace of God because He's always there and He loves you with a love that my words can't describe. But as I close today, I want to say one last thing. I want to talk to you who may have never made peace with God. For whatever reason, maybe you've never been able to believe in Jesus Christ. And maybe because of your sin, you are still in isolation and you're still living in separation from God. I just want to share one more story with you. And it's from the book of Luke. And it's from the life of Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, the Bible talks about Jesus one day just walking down the street. And there's a man who calls out to him. In Luke 5, 12, it says that this man has an advanced case of leprosy. And we don't hear much about leprosy in our day. In fact, we don't even call it leprosy anymore. We call it Hansen's disease. And today we have a cure. We have medicine for that. But in Jesus' day, there was no cure. There was no medicine for leprosy. And in Jesus' day, if you had leprosy, it was literally a death sentence. What happens when you have leprosy is leprosy attacks your central nervous system. And it actually takes away your nerve endings and you can't feel your fingers, your toes, and your other appendages. And then what happens is ulcers and sores begin to come up on your body. And then literally your flesh, your skin, rots away from your bone. The Hebrew word for leprosy just simply means to rot. And what would happen in Jesus' day when someone would have leprosy is they had to quarantine themselves. They had to completely isolate themselves from the rest of society. 
If you want to talk about social distancing, this was the ultimate social distancing. In fact, when a person had leprosy, if they walked down the street and they came in contact with anyone, they were, by law, they had to shout, unclean, unclean, so the person coming towards them could run because leprosy was very contagious and you could catch leprosy just by being near someone. So the Bible says there in Luke 5, 12 that this man fell at Jesus' feet to worship him. And then he just simply asked them this question. He said, Jesus, if you are willing, you can heal me and I will be clean. I will be clean. See, in the Bible, all leprosy is is a metaphor for sin. Because sin does the same thing to us that leprosy did to that man in Luke chapter 5. It disfigures us. It makes us look like something that we're not. See, the Bible teaches us that God made us perfect and God made us in His image. But for whatever reason, we chose our path rather than God's. And just like the prodigal son, we left and went to the distant land. And we lived our life the way we want to live it. And we thought in that life we would find happiness and joy and peace, but we found the exact opposite. We found a spiritual famine. And sin disfigures and distorts everything God has made. But not only does does that, just like leprosy, sin isolates us. Not just from the ones we love and from people on this earth, but sin isolates us from God. It separates us from God eternally. And so maybe you're asking, what's my hope? Well, the only hope you have is Jesus Christ just like that leper. If you will cry out to Jesus, heal me, this is what Jesus will do. Because verse 13 says that Jesus reached out and He touched the man. And not only did He touch him, He said, I am willing, be healed. And then at the end of verse 13, the Bible says instantly, the man's leprosy disappeared. So there's a very specific reason that Jesus reached out and touched that man. He didn't have to do that. Jesus healed people all the time just by speaking to them. But He touched that man with leprosy. Because if you touched a man with leprosy, you yourself became a leper. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and me. He became sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, The one who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin so that we could be made right with God. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He became sin. And if we will simply cry out to Him, we will be healed and instantly we will be clean. The Bible says this in Romans 10. It says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. No matter how unclean you feel, no matter how unworthy you feel or unlovable you feel. It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what God says. And God says anyone can call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. This is how you do it. Verse 9 of Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is God, that He's Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. Just simply believe that Jesus died for you so that you can be forgiven of your sins, so that you can be clean and whole and restored to God. You just believe that. 
And then you just say, Jesus is my God. And the Bible says if you do that, you will be saved. You see, God made salvation simple so that it would be available for you and for me. So as we close, I just want to pray for you. Those of you who need faith strengthened, who need peace, and those of you who need to be made right with God. So just bow with me. Close your eyes. And let me pray, Lord, we love you. And we are all in need of you. Lord, some who are listening to this need faith. They're struggling with doubt and worry and fear. So Lord, I pray that you would remove those emotions. And I pray that you would replace those emotions simply with your presence. Lord, go to those who need peace and let them hear your voice. Let them know your presence. And Lord, right now, calm their hearts. Lord, for everyone else, especially those who are listening to me today that need salvation, I pray that through your Spirit, you would work into their life. I pray that you would speak truth into their life. And I pray that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, just minister in only the ways that you can. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.